Headlines and hot takes, they have their place. But at our podcast, ESPN Daily, we don't just skim the surface of sports. Dude, I mean, this clearly transcends blood feuds, (laughs) rivalries, sports. This is something far, far deeper than that. I'm your host, Pablo Torre. And every day, we try to dive into the stories behind the athletes. The picture of him in the dugout afterwards just looked like a guy who'd had his heart ripped out. Listen to ESPN Daily wherever you get your podcasts. We'll start in three, two, one. Hello and welcome, everybody, to a new episode, an excellent episode with some fire intro music of All Steelers Talk. We're your host, Noah Strackbine, joined always by Donnie Droon. And it's an exciting week. We're week two of training camp. Pads are on. Ben Roethlisberger is getting hit. Running the football, Mason Rudolph is losing two-minute drills, and Juju's yelling the F-word at training camp. It's a great week to be a Steelers reporter, a Steelers fan, a part of Steelers Nation. Donnie, how you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you for asking. Uh, sounds like Juju's having a typical day in my household, so nice to see him finally <laughs> jump on the uh, explicit of a bandwagon. Oh, 100%. I think I, I, I compared it quickly to myself. Um, because as you know, people around me know I'm a pretty hostile guy. I don't know why. I think it's just genetics. Um, but last night I was yelling the F word a lot because I was watching the Pirates game and Max Cranick, shout out Max Cranick, Jessup boy, was pitching and they were losing, and I just wasn't it wasn't a good scene. Anyways, there was a lot of there was a lot of good. There was plenty of good at Steelers camp this week outside of Juju cursing, Mike Tomlin yelling, and Mason Rudolph not being able to find the end zone with five seconds left. And we're going to start there. Training camp week two, pads on. What were you excited about? And, you know, what have you been excited about? I was really excited to see Najee Harris finally in action. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about Najee Harris putting on the pads for the first time and actually seeing live action for what feels like decades, man. So, you know, to finally see him going and going good. Um, I think makes things really exciting for, you know, people like you and I and people who go to training camp, you know, as fans week in, week out. I think that's really cool. I I think people really wanted to see who would step up at that uh, cornerback two position opposite of Joe Hayden. And from everything that I can tell, everything that looks like it, James Pierre has been absolutely the guy at Steelers training camp so far. And we've also wanted to see a little bit of what Matt Canada's new offense would be like, you know, from the the clips and plays that I've seen. Shout the Steelers Twitter, by the way, for giving me those for free. <laughs> for free. I'm not even there. For free. It's phenomenal. A uh, lot, lot of jet motion, a lot of zone stuff. And I know a handful of starters haven't exactly been there. We'll get to that in a moment. But there's been a lot of exciting things to keep track of as the Steelers have started training camp. Yeah, no doubt. And I think Najee Harris and the back on backers was, I think it hit him. I think that was the first time that Najee was like, this is the NFL. It's real. Robert Spillane just hit me in the mouth. And, you know, Najee Harris is a big dude, but he's not Derrick Henry. And Robert Spillane, we all know, doesn't doesn't mess around when it comes to hitting running backs. But he adjusted, and I think that was huge. I think that Najee Harris coming back and realizing that he lost the first two back-on-backers drills and then winning a couple against Spillane and against 
Uh, Marcus Allen was was a big thing for Najee Harris because everybody is very excited about the 24th pick. And uh, a running back in the first round should be an instant starter all around. He should be able to pass block. He should be able to run the ball. He should be able to catch. And I think the only question was how well can he protect Ben? Well, Ben was pretty excited, dude. He came right over, jumped up, gave him a little uh, chest bump. He got about this far off the ground, maybe. It was definitely a much higher jump than I would make. But it was a good move, and it was good to see. Besides that, yeah, James Pierre has definitely been the guy behind Joe Hayden and Cam Sutton, and I think that was expected. But Justin Lane just doesn't seem to be it. He's playing alongside Mark Gilbert, who you know has his moments. But James Pierre even looks – at times James Pierre looks confident, and at times James, James Pierre gets beat. So I don't know. I think that will adjust more as pads come on more and more. We've seen one day of pads. But – you know, for right now, it's it's a pretty good start. And I, I definitely think that's one thing you also want to look for, kind of touching back on Nashi Harris. Yeah, you know, he, he did get his stuff ate up a couple of times in those backs on backers drill. But part of the training camp experience is him going through that. You don't expect Nashi Harris to come out and just truck everybody, know the man. Otherwise, no. I mean, we're, lo- we're looking at the next Bo Jackson if he stays healthy. You're, you're looking to see how those kind of guys rebound after getting put on their ass. You know, like how mm-hmm. you're in the NFL now. You're not going to go 15 yards every play like you did at Alabama. Like, what are you going to do? And to see Najee respond like that, I think that's only good signs for Najee and the rest of the offense moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. I think that the question marks weren't Najee Harris or the wide receivers or anything like that. It's been the offensive line, which is huge, and that's kind of like what we were going to lead into next is the offensive line is still a giant mystery. A giant mystery. Kevin Dotson today was taking reps with the second team in warmups. Did not like to see that because, for one, it shows me that Kevin Dotson's here and, and he's not healthy and he's definitely not healthy enough to be involved enough to be with the first team even in warmups. So the Steelers are preparing to have Rashad Coward be the starting left guard. That Rashad Coward, the starting left guard in the Hall of Fame game. That is what they are preparing to do right now. It's almost a week from now, correct? One week from now. Kevin yeah. Dotson has not taken the field during teams. Chooks has not taken the field during teams. And Zach Banner has not taken the field during teams. Right now, the, look at I'm pretty convinced Ben Roethlisberger will not touch the field in week one of the preseason. But Mason Rudolph is going to be running for his life with <laughs> Joe Haig, Dan Moore Jr., <laughs> And Rashad Coward working as his offensive line. It's scary. It's scary times. Man, well, when you put it like that, do you think Ben could play? No. Left tackle? Do you think he could no, play? Ben, you could put me at left tackle. You could put me at left tackle. I'm not going to jump as high as Dan Moore Jr., but I'm telling you, I'll probably block as well as him. And the problem is, is that Dan Moore Jr. just looks he looks stiff. He looks nervous. Like it's a guy out there who looks kind of lost on the football field. And I don't mean mentally. I just mean physically. Like he doesn't know how to adapt. And he maybe he just doesn't trust his skills on the field yet. But that'll come, I hope. Chooks wasn't a, wasn't a starter. or I mean, Chooks really wasn't even a reliable backup the first two or three years in the NFL. So I kind of expect that from Dan Moore Jr. But right now he is the starting left tackle and I don't know when that's a, that's going to change because there's been no signs of a core four or banner during teams and a core four really doesn't have a reason to be sitting out so I thought it was really interesting whenever Kevin Colbert was talking about a core four 
and had said that um, he's naturally a left tackle, which I think we all kind of knew and agreed upon, which is why it was a bit odd to see a core for competing for that right tackle spot with the Zach mm-hmm. Banner last year. But hey, you know what? Competition, whatever. I get it. Cool. Um, but one interesting comment was that had a core for and Banner both been going for the left tackle spot last year. Kevin Colbert came out and said that Okorafor would have won that job. Yep, and that's very concerning because I don't know if that is a bash on Zach Banner or if that is a compliment to Chooks Okorafor. Either I way, think it's I don't know. Supposed to be a compliment for Chooks, it but it's almost like it's almost like a backhanded compliment. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's like really passive aggressive. And it's just like, oh, I just like how you wear whatever you want, you know? Like, you don't care what you want. My girlfriend tells me that all the time. All the time, actually. Um, I'm actually, I'm wearing gym shorts and a polo right now. And she told me that this morning when I left the house. She was like, I love that you just wear whatever you feel comfortable in. And I was like, I love that you don't have to sit in the sun and sweat all day. Okay. I get swamp butt. It's disgusting. Yo, I, I respect that because today, whenever I was at Cards Camp, Big Flex, um, I wore non-basketball shorts for the first time in probably a year. Well, probably that, a year. That's probably. a big step. That's how you know you're going from, you know, you're like here, now you're here. You know what I mean? That's that step up the ladder when you're like the khakis. We're going khakis today. Ooh, I got a button and a zipper, and that's huge. That is huge. And that's, I mean, but going back to Chooks, I mean, that that's the problem is you don't know how to take it and you look at it and say okay well it was a compliment for a core for yes he could have got the left tackle job unfortunately the left tackle job wasn't there and he wasn't good enough to beat out al villanueva who i get he had like the seniority thing but he still should have been at least a, a competition he's a younger guy the steelers are not shy about moving on from veterans to put in younger players maybe in the first year or two they are but by year four where chooks was it's time to put him in there and i don't know i i, I think that he's a guy that's still a giant question mark he's definitely a bigger question mark than zach banner but my question mark for zach banner got bigger after colbert's comment well, let me ask you this. You're you're actually the one that's in the mix at Steelers training camp. You're chopping it up with Albert Breer and Joey Molinaro. You're there in the trenches for sure. Out of the projected starting five that we kind of had in our heads moving into the season, which was, you know, from left to right, Okorafor, Dotson, Kendrick Green. Um, Trey uh, who, yeah, Trey Turner. So I was going to say the Castro, and I'm like, nah, he, he's on the couch eating Cheetos right now. Um, <laughs> Turner and then Banner. Is there anybody that you think could be swapped out on opening day? No. And I don't think that's a compliment to the starting five. That's a concern about the backups because the most reliable backup that the Steelers have right now is probably Rashad Coward, and that's terrifying. Um, There's also BJ Finney, who is very unproven at this stage in his career because at one point bj finney was a dude that you looked at and went he could potentially be the next guard for the pittsburgh steelers after ramon foster leaves then he leaves for a season to try and go and be a starting guard in the nfl and it comes back to bite him in the butt because he's underprepared jc hassenauer i mean now he's dealing with a knee injury we don't really know what's going on there he's playing center and i guess if somebody is going to swap out it would be kendrick green because he's a rookie but no i don't think anybody in the starting uh, in the starting five is going to get swapped out at all but i think that's because they have no depth 
So it, it's a nice little mix of the starters not actually being there and the backups not really showing anything capable. Yes, 100%. It's just cool. the backups are. Look, look at again, Rashad Coward is probably going to start at left guard in the Hall of Fame game. And if you're Mason Rudolph, you are trying not to play in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah, why no. <clears throat> For all intents and purposes, excuse me, if I'm Mason Rudolph, I'm trying to find the nearest like jetpack company to yeah. get me hooked up. So like I, I don't have to be mauled to the ground every game. You're just telling Dwayne Haskins, like, hey, you got this one. You want to try to put this together? You want to try to be the next franchise guy? Go for it. Because it's not going to work out. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking thinking of a uh, Minka's Madden rating and why I've been upset the last 48 hours. All right, well, so. then let's move on to Minka's Madden rating here. An Perfect. 89. 89? 88? 89 or an 88? Eight. I don't even remember. It's the, Either way, it's disgraceful. 10. 10. 10th, bro. 10th overall safety in Madden 22, which, you know, I could understand if – there was 10 worthy safeties in the NFL, but I couldn't name 10 safeties. in the. First off, Harrison Smith is the guy that stood out to me. Incredible career, probably a Hall of Famer one day. He's well past his prime. Minka Fitzpatrick is 23 years old and is the best safety in the NFL, and he's ranked 10th with an 89. Crazy. I, I know uh, Justin Simmons was up there, and a lot of people like him from Denver. And admittedly, so he is a very, very good football player. So uh, I, I will give him those nods. But man, some of the names on that list, man, outstanding. And I know it's bad whenever, you know, because a lot of guys don't really like to give that kind of stuff attention, you know, because like it's only Madden, it's only a video game, this, this, and that. Minka mm-hmm. took it to Twitter. was like, bro, like, what do I have to do? Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. And he had every right to do that. I mean, okay, look at here. This is this is the list above him. It's Tyrone Matthew, which, you know, deservingly a 95. I get it. Buda Baker, a 93. That one's okay, too. Devin McCourty, 92. A little old. I don't really understand that one. Jesse Bates, a 91. Are you kidding me? No. Justin Simmons, a 91. Honestly, he should be the second-ranked safety in the NFL behind Minka Fitzpatrick. And then Jamal Adams, a 90, and Harrison Smith, a 90. Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos are also 89s. Are you telling me Minka and Adrian Amos are the same exact player? That's what I'm trying to say. No. It doesn't make – okay, at this point, though, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been snubbed by Madden for years to come, and I'm more upset about T.J. Watt being a 94, which is a great rating, but it's where he's ranked. Khalil Mack, we're past Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was two years ago the best edge rusher in the NFL. Today, T.J. Watt is the best edge rusher in the NFL by a mile, and Miles Garrett, see what I did there, is probably number two. But if Miles Garrett's a 98, it's out of potential. T.J. Watt has proven this time and time again. I mean, look at in 2020, T.J. Watt was a, he he was an All Pro at not one. But two positions, two, 86 overall rating. Defensive player of the year, runner-up to Aaron Donald, who was a 99, 94, and he's the third best edge rusher. So clearly Madden has a thing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, I I, I think that's it. You know, um, Ever since Antonio Brown was on the cover, I feel like it's been all downhill from there and kind of all assets, man all aspects excuse me think about it 
but you know what TJ's rating would be for participating in training camp? A zero. strong zero. Strong, strong zero. Zero. Why? I don't know. I don't know. That's the question. And today, Mike Tomlin addressed it. He said that he's not going to talk about injuries. He won't say if it's an injury or not, but he says that he doesn't expect TJ Watt on the field. I don't expect TJ Watt on the field at all, really, over the next two weeks. Is that about his contract? That's the question. I mean, Tomlin's usually a pretty straightforward guy when it comes to letting people – when it comes to – Talking about injuries, every press conference I watch of his, right off the bat, boom, this guy's hurt. Here's what he's hurting. We'll know more a little bit later, but here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I feel like he didn't exactly want to put TJ in the position to have a bunch of like question marks around him, and I, I guess I can kind of respect that. Um, but you know, you can't you can't BS BSer. You feel like yeah. I feel like we all know what's going on, right? We all do know what's going on, and, yeah. and it's a multitude of things. For one, TJ Watt does not need to be on a football field right now. There's no reason for it. You know, the Steelers have been in pads one day, and if they are in pads, TJ Watt certainly should not be on the football field because if you lose TJ Watt, you lose half your defense. And I get, you know, Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith are more than capable of carrying a starting outside linebacker role, but. TJ Watt is TJ Watt. That's what I'm saying. TJ Watt is the best edge rusher in football. You don't want to lose that because he's chasing after Mason Rudolph in July. That's not what you're looking to do. Two, I don't think there's an injury there, but maybe there's something going on or maybe a tweak. I think the big thing is they don't need him on the field. They don't want him on the field. They want Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith to get their reps. They want Cassius Marsh and Quincy Roche to get their reps. And on top of all of it, T.J. Watt is trying to earn $150 million in the next week. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably like, well, you know, that if you get hurt, that's going to hurt your negotiation side. And it's also going to hurt our negotiation side because we're not going to want to give you as much money. So let's just sit it back, relax. And in a week when T.J. Watt's signing bonus is $50 million, we can move on from there. Yeah, I feel like. TJ's not the kind of guy to intentionally skip out on like training camp and be like, Oh, give me a new deal. I'm holding out, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like so many other people, but also at the same time, like you said, it makes sense. You know, like if, Mm -hmm. if you're about to get the bag, why would you do anything to kind of, you know, throw yourself out of the way of getting it? I think the Steelers agree with that. You know, if, if they're going to be paying this guy the most expensive contract in Steelers franchise history on the defensive side of the ball, which was last done by, yeah, last done by Lamar Woodley over a decade ago. Yep. Cam Hayward, Cam Hayward broke it last season. And the number, the number TJ Watts contract will be, what 120 million 130 yeah, million somewhere that, yeah yeah which cam hayward's record setting contract currently is 65 million dollars 65 that's double the contract that's what i'm saying you don't play that and that's that's where they're at right now and i think it's both sides i don't think it's tj watt because we all know who tj watt is he's the hardest working guy on the field every field he's on but he knows and the Steelers know and and they just don't want to risk anything while they're preparing for a, an extra preseason game that he's not going to play in and most of the starters 
realistically aren't going to play in. It, the Hall of Fame game is for two reasons. It's to have a bunch of people in Pittsburgh while Troy and them get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then two, it's to find out if Kendrick Green and Antoine Brooks are the answer at nickelback and center, because if they're not, they have to start reworking everything. Besides that, the Steelers could care less that they're about to go to Canton and play an extra game on top of a season with an extra game in it. That's not what they're looking for. Look, at, at the end of the day, a guy like TJ doesn't need to take these reps. He's mm-hmm. been in the league for a handful of years now. We know what TJ Watt is. We know exactly who he can be and what he can do on the football field. I think, if anything, you know, a lot of the younger guys behind him are getting just a little bit more um, you know, touches and reps in that rotation. So I think it's only beneficial for almost every party. Granted, there's one less preseason game. Actually, no, because the Steelers are in a Hall of Fame game. That will make it four for them instead of the regular three that everybody else is playing. Um, but, you know, with, with four preseason games, it, it's it's a long game. You got to play for your, like, your preferable starters, and you don't want to jeopardize anything, especially – the you know first couple open days of training camp so it, it is what it is it, it shouldn't be a big deal but i think tj not being there i think tomlin kind of beating around the bush on that it, it lets everybody know that they're definitely in negotiations for a bigger deal oh there's definitely negotiations and colbert made it known that he wants to get it done by the season that was obviously always the plan right. we talked about that on tuesday that the Steelers just, that's what they do. You know what I mean? This is the year that TJ Watt gets his extension and they're going to do it before the season because the Steelers do not negotiate in season. They never have. They never will, no matter who you are, including TJ Watt. So it's got to get done within the next week, maybe the next two or three weeks, but it's going to get done soon. And until it does, I don't see TJ jumping on the field. When it does come to extra money and the money sitting around. The Steelers have about $12 million in available cap space right now. Do they go out and do something with it? Some people are tossing out Xavier Howard. If you go get Xavier Howard, you can't sign TJ Watt. doesn't make any sense. Some people are tossing out a couple of tackles here and there. Do you see the Pittsburgh Steelers making a move? Dude, if anything, it's it's going to be through the first couple of preseason games where they're going to see a position or two that they really don't like, and they're like, yeah, we we need some extra bulk here. But that's really about it, man. I really can't foresee you know anything coming like that. Maybe maybe in the defensive secondary, since they didn't end up signing Malik Hooker, maybe another guy on the market. But other than that, no. I mean, historically speaking, the Steelers like to go into the season – with a handful of dollars, you know, in their piggy banks, just in case anything does arrive. And, you know, all of the money that they have pushed this year, they could put it towards next year's cap, which is supposed to boom, by the way. So that would be an extra 10 to $12 million Steelers can put to salary cap next year, which would afford them, um, you know, to better handle a TJ Watt extension to potentially get something done with Mika Fitzpatrick. There's, there's a lot of like long-term things you really got to think about here. And granted, I know it's, probably close to being big Ben's last year if it isn't already and i know everything's geared towards you know focusing on the super bowl there's a lot of that's about kevin colbert's future in pittsburgh mm-hmm. you know nobody knows how much longer he has so you know while you want to focus on the year ahead only at the same time you still got to worry about things in the future and i, I don't think the steelers are going to go on a big spending spree spending spree excuse me i don't know who they could sign for 10 to 12 million dollars that can make an instant difference on either side of the ball no i don't think so either and the steelers uh, uh, colbert said the other day that the steelers always plan for 10 injured players which is terrifying but they plan for 10 injured players and 
if those injured players are big names, the Steelers, this is the first year in a long time the Steelers have truly lacked depth pretty much everywhere. So it's not like they need to come up with a small name just to provide depth like they have in years past. If, if somebody goes down this year, if a guy like Devin Bush and Robert Splain might be the only two that you are like, okay, well, Buddy Johnson would have to get an opportunity before they move to somewhere else. But if they went down anywhere, anywhere on the offensive line outside of center, anywhere in the whole wide receiving crew outside of, well, nope, the whole wide receiving crew. I mean, what are you going to do? Toss Ray Ray in there and tell him, yo, you, you're the one. And then when another guy goes out, you're left with Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Ray Ray McLeod. That can't happen. The whole team, secondary, I mean, you can look at both safety positions. There's no depth. So they need to go make a splash signing if need be. That's probably going to cost them 5 or $6 million. They love to go into the season with some extra cap space. And TJ Watt's going to need a signing bonus. So, unfortunately... I don't see them making a splash move. I don't necessarily think they need to make a splash move because they're still waiting on Trey Norwood and what Trey Norwood can do. And he looks pretty impressive. Pick Mason off today, which, you know, take that for as you will. And they have guys like James Pierre that they're going to give a shot to. They have guys like Antoine Brooks that they're going to give a shot to and Arthur Millette. So right now the Steelers don't need to go make a splash signing. And in the season, they're probably going to need that money because 17 games is going to lead to injuries. So if I had to guess... They, don't, they hold on, and no, no, I'm so sorry, Steelers fans, but Xavier Howard is not coming to Pittsburgh. Makes no sense. Doesn't. Not really quick before we do move on, though, um, what have you seen from Antoine Brooks Jr. in camp? Because there's a lot of buzz around him kind of taking that nickelback spot. Yeah, so not he is going to be the first guy to take the nickelback spot and to start in the Hall of Fame game. He's taking first-team reps. He Look, at he, he looks real hit or miss. Once in a while, he looks real good off the edge. And then a couple plays later, he'll get beat in the slot by somebody. I, I think he's a liability in coverage still, but I think that that can expand. I, I don't know what it's going to look like when the whole defense is out there. I also don't know what it's going to look like when there's actual pass rush. You know, when you got guys like Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt going after the quarterback, quarterbacks have to make decisions a lot quicker than they do at training camp when they have six, seven seconds to throw the ball. So, Right now, it's a liability in the secondary. It's a big, major liability in the secondary, if we're being honest. But that could change a lot when pads come on and quarterbacks have to make quicker decisions so you're not just standing around all day. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning into not one, but two episodes of All Steelers Talk this week. We are back twice a week moving forward as we gear up for the season the hall of fame game is next thursday so make sure you check that out and also make sure to subscribe to us on youtube all steelers talk check out our twitter and our facebook all steelers hashtag all steelers talk pretty much everywhere follow me and donnie find us anywhere you can find a podcast and we will see you next week We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Thank you.
we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.